Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 492. And we're rounding the year off with my TV shows of the year, but not just my TV shows of the year. I've got John Harris and Joel Grove from the Dream Factory podcast. John Harris also runs the um, Distraction Pieces social media and makes all them, them little quote videos. And if he picks a quote from himself for this week's episode... Oh, I'm going to be an angry boy. Um, no, I'm not. John's great. I'm a big fan of their podcast and of them as humans. And I wanted to get them on to talk about some of the great TV shows that they've been this year. Because as a lot of you know, I always do my films of the year. I don't always do a TV shows of the year, but I think we're spoilt for choice these days. So, so I thought I'd get them on. Anyway, let's just get into the chat. We're brought to you as ever by speechdevelopmentrecords.com. If you've got some Christmas money, go and spend it there or th- sling a quid or two over at patreon.com forward slash Pip, or head to twitch.tv forward slash Pipio to just hang out and enjoy stuff for free and become a nice, friendly member of the community. Let's get into the episode. There's been loads of TV I've loved this year. Oh, actually, I also went on Dream Factory, which came out last week. I'm also, so I'm the Christmas guest special on Dream Factory which you'll hear all about, which is amazing. And on Smashing Sundays, which is one of my favourite podcasts, uh, Beth Granville and and Lucy Pinder. And I couldn't have had more fun on either. So check both of those out if you're in this kind of gap where a lot of podcasts aren't putting out podcasts. Um, Give them a listen. But for now, give this a listen. This is episode 492 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with Joel Grove and John Harris from the Dream Factory podcast. This is our TV of the year. 2022. This piece of fiction is the intro to destruction. This piece of fiction is the intro to destruction. This piece of fiction is the intro to destruction. This piece of fiction is the intro to destruction. I'm joined today by Joel and John. How are you guys? Fantabulous. Yeah, really good. Really good. Excited. Honored. Yeah, the show. I'm excited to have you both here. Like, it's a long time listener, first time caller. Same because I listen to your podcast all the time. Thank you, thank you. So and much. it's the Dream Factory podcast, and and you talk about movies and you talk about f- fake movies, and every now and then a little whisper of TV comes up, and it feels like you feel you have to move along quite quickly because it's not a TV podcast. So my knowledge of hearing a few things you've both mentioned on there told me we've got some similar crossover, but also excitingly, probably some stuff that that doesn't cross over. And I think that's kind of key because doing a TV shows of the year recording with all of us agreeing on the three good TV shows (laughs) of the year wouldn't be that helpful. (laughs) You need a high of mind for TV now, right? Because there's 15 streaming platforms and like a show a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's everywhere. I I talked to a mutual friend, Brett Goldstein, about this, about the fact that, like, it's amazing to have a mate in a successful TV show, but what people don't take into account fully is that's a successful TV show on Apple. Mm -hmm. Mm. And that's really hard because, again, I think Apple TV's got some great stuff, but like having limited experience in active myself, everything I've ever done like stuff that's on the BBC, stuff that's on NBC, the first thing people say is, is it on Netflix? Is it going to be on Netflix? Is it available on... If it's not on Netflix, no one gives a fuck. So things like Apple and Disney, like there's there's one show in particular, which is on Disney for us, I want to talk about, because it's probably been my 
actual show of the year, but to have a successful show on any of these streaming platforms outside of Netflix is a struggle. It's, yeah, I yeah. mean, there's, it's just, it's, there's so many options. And it's that thing where I think back in the old days, people were like, oh, satellite TV is so expensive. And then yeah. Netflix came along and you were like, oh, this is, you know, a tenner. And yeah. then now you have 14 different streaming services and you're paying more than you ever were every month to watch no, TV. No, John, you have 14. Yeah, Aren't you, like yeah. John's on Peacock and Paramount. Like he does, <laughs> he's got the full gamut. I'm still on Quibi. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely think I'm just slightly older than I wish I was because I've got Sky. And it's because we had Sky as a kid and it seems, well, I should have Sky and this is what I watch things on. Everyone I know is like even five years younger, is like, why would you pay that stupid amount? Why haven't you got Now and Netflix and this and that? And yeah, I feel like an old man because I'm kind of stuck to it. I've got, yeah, but I've got some things I've recorded on there a couple of years ago that I'm going to get around <laughs> to watching at some point and, and they're not on the streamers and yeah. When, and when, like when, I, my, my, when I was like 11 or something, my family first got Sky and it was like we had made it. It was a really big deal when we first got Sky. Just yeah, because it was yeah. at the time it was like same, five channels. Same because my aunt had Sky for ages and we didn't have it at all. And then when basically Sky came around shortly before my parents got divorced, and then to to, to keep Curry in favour, my dad continued to pay for the Sky after he moved out. Um, so, so as 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 a little pitting your parents against each other. So we managed to have Sky the whole time. It was a it was a treat. <laughs> I, um, how it comes together. I, think, I, th- I feel like the first thing I had was maybe like an NTL box. Right. It was a long time before I had Sky. My my parents were going for the. I don't know, what that, the, the, I don't know the, what that is either. We were on the alternative scene of um, NTL. Yeah, like NTL Isn't became like, like National Television or BT or something. Like it's like a you know how like Virgin is the rival to Sky. Yeah. I think fine. they they tried and tested every rival box. You know, we were like big on. Blue Yonder email addresses and stuff in that house. They're very much on the uh, alternative end of the internet. But I think there was some... I, I feel like getting stuff like Cartoon Network for the first time was such a major deal. Like when there was kids yeah. TV available All after day. five o'clock and yeah. after Any 10 a.m. Anytime you it want. insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and the Cartoon Network would get weird the, the later it went on. It'd still yeah, yeah. pretty much be kid-friendly, but it'd be mainly... Stone students that yeah. are enjoying <laughs> Dexter's Lab Stimpy, and all these things, yeah. Ren and Stimpy, all that. Well, b- before we get on to kind of throw in forward some TV shows each, tell everyone a little bit about your podcast because you've been around a while. You you had a big gap. Kind of give us the the elevator pitch and tell us what what the deal is. John, do you want to? Oh thing? no, uh, it, we we <laughs> describe it as the world's greatest user generated movie creation podcast. If you can find another one then fair enough, maybe we'll have to take back the claim as the world's greatest. Uh, so basically, listeners uh, send in pun-based movie ideas, mostly pun-based movie ideas, but movie ideas, like you say, for films that don't exist. Joel and I try and sort of flesh them out into movies, and then a lot of the time it sort of goes off into tangents about Joel's weird childhood in Kent. I, I yeah. guess, <laughs> I guess, um, yeah, listeners are kind of pitching us films. We're like two high-flying Hollywood execs, and uh, <laughs> listeners are pitching us movies. Pip, you're... A big contributor to the show. Always, uh, always. It's a, it's a mark of quality. Yours are, yours are a high quality submission. Um, I mean, you say listeners are pitching you f- films. Have you ever regretted describing it like that? For example, w- when this one listener repeatedly sends you full scripts? Because they're astounding. They're wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've but, got a very, very, very committed listener who said, like, he, he started off, I, th- I feel like it started off, because we've been doing it about maybe five or six years. It started off yeah. as like a paragraph. 
Yeah. And we'd get really excited about his emails. And now he... I don't know. I feel like maybe he's he believes that we have some sort of sway in the film industry because he's just sending us like spec scripts now. They're just so long. They're like yeah. a ten page. I, I, yeah, he's called the Muscles Tom, hero. and he works on a uh, a muscle farm in Wales. And uh, yeah, he sends us full scripts, and they're so long we have to split them across episodes. Yeah. Like, I have images of him like at sea with a typewriter <laughs> bashing these scripts out because I don't really know what a muscle farm looks like. No, but uh, yeah, fair play to him. That's the kind of commitment you want it. from a listener, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. It's 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 much needed. But yeah, I, I I love finding podcasts that do have that interactivity. And the annoying thing about podcasts sometimes is you go away thinking of things that you'd want to say if you were in that conversation. Mm. Does that make sense? I have loads. Yes. Like, as John will know, I have it with hardcore listening all the time. I'll, I'll come away like really annoyed. It's like. I wish I could have rung in and corrected them on all the things they got wrong. But the beauty of your podcast is you, you can go away, come up with ideas, and then submit them. Come yeah. up with things you would have wanted to say and then tweet you guys or Instagram or whatever else and go, here you go. Here's a here's a good one. So yeah, I love it, guys. Good work on a on, oh, on another wonderful much. year. Thank you very much. And it's very short. We are one of the world's shortest podcasts at about 25 minutes an episode. So Yeah. But we record for hours. <laughs> The editing process is brutal. I recently, this is a big story, on uh, on Remembrance Sunday, I didn't know it was, no, it wasn't on a Sunday. There was another day that was a Remembrance thing. I don't know how, how Remembrance Days work in this, this country, but I was walking up the hill not, with headphones on, listening to your podcast. Um, your podcast had just finished and Chatterbix was just starting and I was whistling you're a lovely little theme tune. And then I went into the, the Chatterbix theme tune. And, oh, no, it wasn't. It was Random Movie Generator. Um, another one of David Earl's ones. Just as I crested the hill and realised there was about 50 people having a minute's silence as some <laughs> prick is walking up the hill w- w- happily whistling. I thought you were going to say a bloke bloke with a bugle went from the last post into the Dream Factory theme. (laughs) Yeah, it just continued it on. I love it. All of a sudden, you're leading a marching band up the hill. They're all playing the theme. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 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 we're here to talk about TV shows of the year. And again, regular listeners will know, I do my films of the year on my own and I spend all year making note of every film and really going through how it's going to be. And I don't normally do a TV shows of the year, but I think we're in really good times for TV. And I think it's maybe because there's so many platforms and so many people at home and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I thought it'd be good to, to, to have a chat with you guys about some favourites. So who wants to kind of throw one in first? John, have you got anything that, that comes to mind? At the oh, forefront? I've got loads. Uh, <laughs> of course you have. I'm looking at my list. John, Why don't we talk- just so you know, we're going to do a whole Disney uh, section covering the Marvel and Star Wars ones, and Joel got- can sit that out because normally every <laughs> every time I hear you talk about that, it's like you you've watched Miss Marvel and I watch all of them as well. But yeah, we can have it. Well, there's an interesting conversation to be had about those shows. I think. Well, let's I've start in my notes. It. Nerd corner, nerd corner. Ner- so. Let's start with nerd corner. Let's let's okay. start how we mean to go on because. I've had mixed feelings on like I, so the ones I've watched this year have been Miss Marvel, Moon Knight, Obi Wan, and Andor. I think was was Boba Fett this year? It was last year, wasn't it? I think it started on Boxing Day last year. I want to say so. I think it did run well, into maybe this that year. was into this year as well. 
But let's be fair, with all due respect, I don't think it's it's sending on anyone's shows of the year list. Well, that's the weird thing I want to say. I'm only oh. halfway through Andor, and oh, it's okay. not clicked properly with me yet. Not in the way that Boba Fett did and Obi-Wan. I enjoyed both okay. of them. And I'm, 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 I'm determined, I'm convinced. I'm, it may be because I'm so sold by social media and the tastemakers, but mm. I'm convinced that by the end of Andor, it will be in my TV shows of the year and it'll be the best. But for some, for some reason, the first few, few episodes, I'm enjoying it. I can tell it's good. But for some reason, I guess it's the familiar characters of Obi-Wan and Boba Fett that it was an instant easy, right, I know these people are, let's get excited. So I, I totally agree. And or I think, fingers crossed, touch wood, will get to that point. Because I, I agree. Mm-hmm. About three or four episodes in, I was like, mm, it's it's good. Like you say, it's objectively well made. It feels yeah. real in a way that maybe some of the other Star Wars stuff has felt a little bit green screeny at times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also agree with you that lots of people are like, oh, finally Star Wars for adults. And it's like, but Star Wars is for families. It's, yeah. it's fine. Like, that's cool. Like, it's it's fine. I, you're allowed to like Star Wars because people throw lightsabers around and there's like, you know, a big bear that goes... Like, that's, yeah. that's Star Wars. Yeah. So No one's going, finally, my, my Little Pony for adults. <laughs> <laughs> at last. So, but that being said, Andor is Star Wars for adults. Like, yeah. a, a, anyone over, under the age of like 12 is going to be like, you know, where, where's the blasters and the lightsabers and stuff. But it does get really good and it is incredibly well written. It also is uh, a source of one of my sort of random like shout outs for the year, which is an actor called Alex Ferns, who was in Andor. He was in The Devil's Hour and he's in The Batman, but he's best known as Trevor from EastEnders. Yeah. He was also in Chernobyl. Yes, he was. I'm, I'm obsessed with my Adam, Adam, and Nikesh Patel on the podcast, who's in The Devil's Hour. And I had a big nerd out on Alex because he's popping up in so much stuff and he's so good. And the first time you realise it's Trevor from EastEnders, um, it's so exciting. And yeah. you've spoken on podcasts in the past, like about this idea of, you know, EastEnders as a training ground. And, you know, you've got stuff like uh, Himish Patel, who came out of EastEnders. Mm-hmm. And it's taken him a little while to sort of get, maybe he's been doing theatre and stuff, you know, apologies for my ignorance but you know it's been a little while but it's you know it still proves that incredible actors come out of those soaps do you want to know the first time i looked over and saw him and went that's trevor from eastenders <laughs> it was on my first day on set on taboo he was in taboo as <gasps> nice. well no and way. I, there, he was in this court scene it was the first scene i did with me and, and stevie graham and he was killing it and just having a really good time. And I, it took me a moment and then it clicked. I was like, holy shit, it's Trevor from EastEnders. But yeah, completely worthy shout out there because who would have thought? How many projects do you think a soap actor has to do before they stop being person from EastEnders? Because I think there's something about I soaps. I feel like can. we talked about this recently. They're so intrinsically part of like the British consciousness yeah. that you are forever that person from a soap right I don't think there's any level of success you could achieve I've, I've, not I've, be... I've not even told you this right at this point we were meant to have recorded our drunk cast for this year but we've postponed it because Chris isn't drinking I've got a section in the new drunk cast that I've just straight stolen from the dream factory and it is discussing for example who's more famous Alfie Moon or Peter Parker and the, the, <laughs> uh, in, in the in, in the UK, it's, it's Alfie Moon, hands down, hands it's down. It's so good, Cat Slater or Beyonce is, and and it is, it's it's fucking tough. I've got a whole list of them in my notes because it is, it's ridiculous how the weird part that soaps play in British culture and how that isn't really a thing in loads of other countries. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I think if you're like Barry from EastEnders level famous, I think he could win an Oscar and it's still in the UK be known as yeah. Barry from oh, EastEnders. There's nothing you can do after that point to not be Barry from EastEnders. And I, it's probably, I don't know what the ratio is to like your fame versus how much you've earned and what your lifestyle is. It must be quite yeah. annoying because I imagine a lot of soap stars live a relatively normal life in terms of what they can do and afford and but they are incredibly famous. Like, you know, a lot of soap stars will go, will just be walking the aisles of Tesco and that's just where they shop and that's their local supermarket. But they, yeah, they're more recognisable than if Beyonce was in the dairy yeah. aisle of Tesco, right? Which is <laughs> yeah. a mad I, thought. I think the key is maybe that, that you have to be in those shows young because Himesh Patel is one mm. that, he was in EastEnders mm-hmm. for, for years, but I don't think people really twig. And he was obviously in... T- in t- Tenet's Station 11, is it? Or Station yeah. 7? It's Station 11, isn't it? Which was astounding, but really, another one, really hard to find over here because it was on Stars a weird play. extra bit of Prime. Which, which John's the only person in the UK paying for. <laughs> Me and John are the yeah. only people in the UK paying for. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed Station 11. <laughs> it's amazing. But yeah, I think b- 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 because he's a grown-up now and he's got a beard, so maybe it doesn't... Mm. That's the trick. gets away with it, but yeah. Yeah, and there's another guy who... Um... There's a, there's a couple, yeah, you're right. If they're young, hunky guys, generally. So um, there's the guy in Warcraft who's, oh, I can't think of his name, but he was in EastEnders for a bit. And there's one of the guys played Angel in the X-Men movies. Uh, right. But also, they're not famous enough that they're like Barry from EastEnders, for, for example. Wait, so in terms of your so nerd corner stuff, so you, mm-hmm. you really liked all of the ones you saw, the Marvel stuff you're not so sure about? Um, no, I, I, I loved Miss Marvel and Moon Knight. For complete, for such different reasons, mm. like Moon Knight, I just thoroughly enjoyed all of it. It wasn't, it didn't feel like a Marvel thing. It felt so odd. It felt like, like it was n- nice to hear that it was reasonably successful because I was watching it feeling, oh, well, this is only for me. <laughs> <laughs> no one else. This doesn't feel like it's going to be popular at all. And then Miss Marvel, I just thought, I was speaking recently with uh, Ruth Madeley in an episode that's coming out next year who was in years and years and numerous other things and she's got spina bifida and she does a lot of talks and activism about representations and one of the big speeches she did recently was in association with Disney and I think that Disney are a really good example of trying really hard on the representation front and they don't always get it right like like there's numerous times that, that they just fuck it up and get it wrong but they try really hard. And I think Miss Marvel was an example of them getting it right. I thought it was such a beautiful representation of or b- b- bringing Muslim culture into the Marvel universe as such, but it feeling completely natural and normal and not alienating and not, and not kind of tokenistic or any of that kind of thing. Yeah. I really, I thought it was great. <laughs> It's like the specific is universal. It's almost like the more specific you go into family relationships, yeah. the more like... I. It, look, that obviously couldn't be further away from my life, but at the same time, I immediately sort of understood the analogues and was like, that, yeah. that's one of the quickest, like, that episode within the first, I think half an hour, they introduced the family and you're like, yep, got it. Understood. Yeah. Love them all. Yeah. Brilliant. And yeah. that's really just really clever writing, isn't it? Yeah, I completely agree. So was there anything else that you um, loved or weren't sure on in that? In so, I would, <laughs> so I would say, believe that, it's hard, I don't want to overhype it, but I would say believe the hype on Andor. I do mm-hmm. think it, by the end of it, you will be um, there for it. And then these are sort of outside of Disney Plus, but they're in the nerd world, sort of, or the fandom world more generally. So Peacemaker, which mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. was brilliant, uh, really fun. 
you know, now James Gunn is the sort of head of DC. I'm very excited to see what, you know, goes on go, going forward with, with them. And I really uh, like how he's handling all of that. Like, there's mm. never been someone in that position who's being as transparent. Yeah, like, yeah. He's regularly just doing tweets like going, look, here's where we are on that. And we don't know about that. And we've, I've only been in for a month. Like, I, I love how he's handling the most hard-to-handle fan base. <laughs> a fan base who are going to be angry at everything and the general consensus tends to be is sh- shut down all communication and then just throw a new new product at them. And he's going the complete opposite. He's having those interactions and engaging in that dialogue, which I don't know if you can win that battle, but I, l- I love the way he's approaching it so far. 100%. Uh, and then the other one is, uh, I think, Joel, this might be vaguely on your list, The Boys, Series 3. Yep. Brilliant. It's, it's great, isn't it? It just keeps show. coming back and it's just, yeah, it's just down. Although The Boys comes under that. I did a, tw- a tweet recently saying that I can be waiting for months on end excited about a new series of a show I love. And then within 10 minutes of the first episode, I realise I don't remember anything of the previous series. <laughs> and The Boys and Succession are ones for this because I would mm. put both of them in my TV shows of the year right now without doing any research can't tell you a single thing that happened in either of those series <laughs> i know all the characters right at the moment can't place a thing that happened other than the the willy bit but that was you know, <laughs> you're not that forgetting was... that in a hurry are you well that's it. interesting you say that so like my top three picks of the year i went back for this episode i went back and watched the finale of all three brilliant so that i can remember exactly how i felt because you're right i feel like when i thought of the shows that i'd love this year i just mostly remember how i felt watching them than yeah. maybe specifics about the show. I think it is the nature of the the the, the streaming binge watching nature now. Whereas it used to be spread out over weeks, mm. we do have a show that we adore, but we devour it in a weekend. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and then move on to the next one and go. Yeah, I loved that, but that was a weekend. That was you know <laughs> the um the 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 great thing about the boys as well is a lot of these shows, particularly the sort of the Disney Plus stuff. And they all often say in promotion, like, oh, it's a film broken up into six half hours or mm. into four hour long episodes. With the boys, it's it's very much a TV show. Like it's got the big budget, mm-hmm. it's got the effects mm-hmm. and stuff. But at the end of each episode, there is a big old cliffhanger. There is reason to watch that next episode. It doesn't, it really feels like you get the sort of, you know, conf, uh, set up conflict resolution in each episode within itself, but still building up to that like sort of overarching arc, which I really, really love about the boys. How do you feel about the fact that these kind of shows are always going to be overlooked come award season? Because that performance is Homelander from Tony, oh, is it Tony Starr? Is that the same or am yes, I thinking Anthony of Tony Starr? Star? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anthony yeah. Starr, yeah. It's astounding. And series after series, it just gets better and better and better. And it's so nuanced, but it's so big, but so small. Do you know what I mean? It's got everything. Yeah, it's this yeah. huge character, but there's so much nuance. But that's not going to get a peep come award season. And it feels there is a weird thing with superhero stuff that it's kind of, it's like, again, as Britt Goldstein talks a lot about, a c- comedy gets ignored a lot in mm. kind of critics because it's not, if it's it has to be drama to be an award-worthy, you know, show. Yeah, I've often wondered that about superhero stuff, but I guess it's it's beyond that even, isn't it? Isn't it like big popcorn fun stuff is generally overlooked? Oh, for yeah, the I guess so. You know, like... Yeah, horror um, as well a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I, 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 I don't know if it, it's sort of viewed as more disposable maybe or not as timeless or I don't know. I, I, I think Homelander's performance is one of the best on TV for the last few years, definitely. Yeah, he's amazing. I completely agree. Yeah. You've read the the comics a bit, haven't you? Yeah. And one of the interesting things comics. about... Oh, you've read it as well? Well, I was going to yeah. say, actually, I read the comics 
Pip, because you recommended them on yeah. this podcast, maybe like five years ago, something like six years ago. And I, I went and bought them because of that and got into it. They're amazing. In the first 30 or so episodes, I had uh, Garth Ennis on. Yeah, yeah. The creator that's, my, that's, probably why, and, uh, that's probably why yeah. I went and got them, yeah. They're amazing. They're absolutely f- fantastic. And he gets more, or at the time, he would get more love for Preacher, which I also loved, and I loved the TV series. But The Boys was always the one that yeah, I felt yeah. was the, the just a perfect comic book. And I think... The thing I love about both of those TV adaptations, which again, speaking, going back to comic book fans being impossible to please, I love that they go off on different Mm storylines and different approaches because my outlook has always been the comic books are the perfect telling of that story. I don't need just a moving image version of that. I've got that story and it's been done perfectly. So sure, have a few bits of it, but as long as you're getting the essence of the characters, I want to see new stories and I want to see new angles and going off in different directions rather than just, you know that comic, here it is is acted out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so true. Correct me me if I'm wrong, but in the comics... So for anyone who hasn't watched it, the premise of Homelander is essentially what if Superman was a sociopath? Mm. But... In the comics, it's more pure evil. Whereas in the TV show, maybe it's partly performance and writing, but he, he's a much—he's a quite sad character, which I don't. Which yeah. I've isn't so much in the comics, which is amazing. Yeah, you—you're you, right, and I think the the angle, and this could just be my view of humans, is I think the angle is more: what if Superman was real? Yeah, because <laughs> I think well, regardless, it would just be a night. Any as as we've seen, power doesn't tend to go down mm-hmm. great. Sh- sh- shout out to. I mean, all of our all governments, of Elon Musk, um, every, everyone else, it doesn't tend to end well. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, ex- ex- exactly that. And I think for it to have an almost, you know, endless potential series-wise, having that kind of nuance definitely makes it far more interesting. Also, in the comics, in this series, we started to get Butcher and everyone having the V and having the powers. Mm-hmm. That was the whole premise of this series. So... I yeah. love the fact they did two series building up to that. Because that's like book one of the comics, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's the whole point in. of it. It's yeah, the, yeah, the people, yeah. these people who are trying to police the the, 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 the superheroes. So yeah, I enjoy, I've enjoyed that they've gone, no, there's, there's no rush to get to that. That's, that's uh, yeah, that's something we can build to. On um, the nerdy shows, I would mm. say that up until about this time last year, I was on top of all of them. And something has happened. I said, like, John and I would be able to talk about all of the latest Marvel and Star Wars releases. And I felt like if you missed out on them for a few months, you are so far behind now. Like I, uh, yeah. With Star Wars, I don't really know where it happened. There's something happened with me and Marvel where I watched Spider-Man No Way Home. And almost, that almost felt like an end point to me in Marvel yeah. media. Yeah. I thought it was so brilliant that I struggled to then get into any subsequent Marvel shows, films. And something's happened with Star Wars that. as well. I really loved The Mandalorian so much and then didn't really like Boba Fett and I felt like I fell off. And then all of a sudden there's like five shows across both the brands and like several films and it feels completely yeah. overwhelming. I think it's really hard now to get back up to speed. Yeah, I completely agree. I think Endgame was the end of your uh, your subscription and then you have to choose if you want to subscribe again yeah. for another <laughs> 12 months. Like you, yeah, yeah. you've got to the end of this whole years and years of, of of this thing, and you can kind of then go right. If I step out now, mm-hmm. then that's fine. If I continue, I'm committing to and what it turns out to be a lot more because yeah. there's yeah, also yeah, yeah. going to be TV, TV shows in there and and everything else. But 
Yeah, well, what's on your list, Joel? What would you uh, like to throw into the mix? So I would say I've got three shows that I would say are my shows of the year. There is mm-hmm. a big caveat over this is that I haven't watched series two of White Lotus mm-hmm. because they've I released finished it that just during the World Cup. This. They've basically released it during the World Cup. And yeah. so I'm Outrageous waiting until pretty poor for them, right? Um, so as soon as that's over, White Lotus is happening. So White Lotus might creep into this list. Yeah. Um, I would say my show, my favorite show of the year. It's interesting we talked about Apple earlier and having a hit show on Apple because I think this year, especially Apple for me, is like now the high watermark, like the high highest quality shows are coming out of Apple. And the, my show of the year is Severance. I knew you um, were going to say that, and I feel so awkward because Severance. <laughs> It's again, it's another one that feels like it's specifically targeted at me. But for some reason, I watched the first couple of episodes and it didn't quite click. And I need yeah. to go back to it. You do need to go back to it. Again, I think I was in a good it spot is where one of I them wasn't where it's just, yeah. yeah. I wasn't was watching, one. I'm watching else. going, this is amazing. Yeah. But I had no rush. Yeah. Or oh, that was it. I had other things. And exactly. Yeah. You know, when you have that realization, if it's a weekly type thing or just when you're. You're sitting down, you've got a, th- a few options. You know the one you're yeah, yeah, yeah. keen to watch. And White Lotus is a prime example of that. I have been watching this, but where I've been binging other things, where it's weekly, if if White Lotus is on my Skybox, that's the first thing I'm watching yeah, yeah, yeah. out of all the things on there. And then it's so whatever I, next. I think I was in a good spot where I wasn't watching anything else and it took me a couple of episodes to get into it, but then I was in. I, you can't really talk too much about it without starting to give away the plot, but basically Adam Scott's in the lead role and he works for this suspicious company, mysterious company. And when he goes into work, he gets in a lift and his brain is severed so that his work life and home life are completely separate. And he doesn't, he's unaware of either. When and he's kind of agreed. B- and he signed up to it. Isn't yeah, he, he signed up Because again, I just love as a concept that because I'm sure we've all worked in jobs and we don't have to name any of them. <laughs> I'm sure we've all worked in jobs where we'd like to not think about it at all as yeah. soon as we leave the yeah. office. And the beautiful idea of that, of your work life exists and then you leave and you you don't think yeah. about it. You don't, you can switch off completely and all that. So it's a genius idea on that respect. But then the way it's made and shot and written is it looks Even incredible. It's su- yeah. it got a real sort of 60s, 70s sci-fi feel to it. It's directed it's by Ben Stiller. Inspired a lot by a few computer games from what I've heard. Well, yeah, on, yeah. on, on Twitch now, a, a lot of the big gamers have loved it because of the references or seemingly stylistic influence of certain computer games. So, And yeah. as you'd imagine, it all sort of starts to fall apart and blend in and you know, the two halves of the brain start to meld a little bit and people's reasons for being in there become clear. And it's a show, I haven't had a show like this in years and years and years where I was begging my friends to watch it so that I had people to talk to about it. And I was, I think it was being released weekly and I was deep in the subreddits of this show, like for fan theories and conspiracy theories. I was watching it the second it was on Apple TV and mates in WhatsApp groups were just like, well, did you see the time that clock was set to. And it's weird because this guy on Reddit <laughs> has posted this 3,000 word, you know, conspiracy <laughs> about the way that he's eating a sandwich um, and stuff that, to that level. I was just fully immersed. And the finale of it, love it. I was like on my feet in the, for the last two episodes. Like, I'm shouting at the TV on my feet, too, which I haven't, I can't think of the last time a series. Like not since maybe the final episode of something like Breaking Bad have I been... Mm on my feet, out of my seat, you know, with what's going on. Like, I'm so excited for the next series. I think it's basically a, a perfect show. It's definitely my show of the year. It's so I need good. to finish it. I need to to, uh, to finish it. Well, before we go on to more of yours, uh, I said, we'll keep going around in, in circles a bit, a little bit. I've got two that I think are fighting it out for my show, or three. Yeah, th- three, same as, 
as you really, Joel, that are probably my shows of the year and then a load that I think were great. But one of them, I ended up binging quick because of exactly what you were saying. My brother watched it and he mm-hmm. had no one to talk to about it. <laughs> and he was like, please, can you just watch it? And it's The Bear. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, I really need to watch this? The Bear. I haven't seen The Bear. Honestly. I've, I have seen it, Pip. I just... It's amazing, right? It's just oh, such it's... an astounding bit of writing. To... All of the actors in it, I wasn't f- familiar with. I know the lead guy was in the American version of Shameless, but I wasn't familiar with him at all. And, and, and for those who don't know, it's a guy who goes from working in a Michelin star restaurant, the best restaurant in the world, supposedly, or in the country, and then comes back to take over his his brother's sandwich p- place, essentially, in, in Chicago. Because his brother's passed away and there's there. It's just, it's amazing, right? Oh, yeah. And it's got two of the most stressful half hours of TV I've seen. The first episode, and I think it's maybe the fourth episode. It's towards the end. There's an episode where everything goes tits up. I'm sure it's it's the second from last, isn't it? Where it's towards that end. And it's just, it's weird how these things happen. Because this will have been being made at the same time. Boiling Point was being made, which was one of my films yeah, of recent yeah. years, and the stress of that is absolutely astounding. And it's weird. Like I, I always remember when the Raid came out, and it was the same year that Dread came out. And <laughs> yeah. Dread was an amazing film that got overlooked because it was just essentially exactly the same as the Raid, except with Judge Dread. But they were happening at once, <laughs> so no one was ripping anyone off or copying anyone. But yeah, I just think performance-wise, script-wise, and just as John's touched upon the direction the directing of these episodes it said to build the tension to get it all to where it is is just it's mind-blowing yeah and it's one of those again i've already said this but it's one of those oh it's well miss marvel but in a totally different way it's one of these things where pretty quickly that there's not loads of like background work on these characters a lot of the backstory isn't revealed until quite late into the the show yeah. but it doesn't matter because you know these characters you like these characters and you, even even the most annoying characters, yeah. you sort of want them all to succeed. It's just, yeah, it's just incredibly well written. It's also weird that like, it's one of these shows that sort of slips between genre sort of cracks. And so it's sort of being pitched as a comedy. And there are definitely some really funny moments and there's a lot of humour in it. But it's also just like a really tense drama at times as well. Yeah, it's really, yeah, it's it's... So watchable. Again, I love a 20, 30 minute show. I love a 20, oh, yeah. 30 minute podcast. I love a 20, 30 minute show, guys. Um, it all fits. Well, before I move on from that, I'm going to throw the other one that's battling for number one top spot in because no one seems to have seen it. So I can mention it quickly and we can hmm. move on. Have either of you watched Babylon Berlin? No, no I, I hear you talk about it on the podcast all the time. I think I watched the first episode because it started a long time ago, right? It started a few years back. Yeah, I think it started maybe 2019. And the third season came out um, a month or so ago. And it's just amazing. It's a German show set, I think it's kind of in between the two wars. And it's just about a police department in Berlin. And it's really done in a very kind of noir way. And it's always a bit kind of murder mystery kind of solving things. There's always a, a one kind of story arc that's going through and the main detective is trying to figure that out. But then there's a load of other bits along the way. And just, we've touched a few times upon characters that you instantly connect with. And the two leads in this are just two of the most watchable characters. And weirdly, because of the era, there's a lot of dancing. 
and it's fucking nice. beautiful. It's so watchable. It makes you want to be dancing in the, hmm. um, I guess, 20s or 30s, or, or I'm terrible with history, so I've probably got terrible dates wrong there. But yeah, it's amazing. And it and that's another one that's got one or two scenes that your jaw's just on the floor with, with how they've done this. So that's a big recommend for me. I know in America and because I binge most of it when I was filming in Canada. I know it's on Netflix out there, but over here it's Sky and Now TV. But yeah, can't recommend it enough. I really think it's bloody astounding. But John, what would you like to to throw in? I'd like to give a little shout out to The Lazarus Project, Mm. which was on Now as well, written by friend of the show. Is that fair to say, Pip? Big friend of the show. And honestly, a dude that's helping me so much with... A script I'm working on at the moment. It's it's weird because Joe jo, jo Barton wrote Giri Hadji, which was one of my TV shows show. of recent years. I think it's amazing. I raved about it, and then it turned out that a couple of my songs were on the mood playlist for it that were sent oh, out amazing. to all the all the production. So me and Joe kind of buddied up then. And the Lazarus Project, and I'll put in this discussion as well. The Bastard's Son and the Devil Himself, which is another one written by Joe Barton on Netflix. The, they're both on my list. But yeah, The Lazarus Project is... I, lo- I love that, that Groundhog Day has essentially become a genre. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Groundhog half year. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's a weird sci-fi type, uh, uh, a big concept sci-fi, right? So, so, so the conceit is there's a date that these people can reboot to at any point if they haven't changed history in the way they want to change it. Is that kind of right? So if so, they can if say a horrible, a big t- terrorist attack happens. As long as the people who are in charge of this are alive, they can reboot b- back to that date. Yeah, and then try and and solve it. But obviously, that wipes out everything that's happened. I'm worried we've made it sound more convoluted than it is. It is a really <laughs> simple. It is a really simple concept, and it's really good. And it's got Papa Sadeu. I've not said that right. Papa uh, S.A. do. Yeah. Thank you. In the lead role, who's just, he's uh, just on a roll, that guy. Like, it's amazing. Ever since he was on I May Destroy You, I, you know, there are certain people. I tweeted about this actually the other day, Pip, and you liked it, about um, Jonathan Majors. Like, the first time I saw him in uh, The Last Black Man in San Francisco yeah. and Papa S.A. do in I May Destroy You, they're just people, they, they're not playing the main, main character, mm-hmm. but you're just like, you cannot take your eyes yeah. off them as like performers. And yeah, yeah. Papa's just amazing. I completely agree. And 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 to give a mention on the bastard son and the devil himself, because I'd recommend it even though it's just been announced it's not got a second mm. series, it's kind of a, a, a young adults thing, but it gets dark and nasty, so I'm not sure how young the adults have to be. But um, it's a witches type thing, but it's witches kind of in the real world and kind of... And there's just these three characters that become kind of the main three and there's never been three characters I want to hang around with more. They're just such... It's so beautifully written, and there's such a... It does what loads of good shows are doing at the moment, that it really doesn't work too hard to define or put boundaries or lines down on friendship or or if it's friendship or romance or whatever else. And they really do really good ways of just drifting in between all these things and it feeling really natural and, and beautiful. So... Yeah, I'd put both of them in, in or oh, they're both on my, on my list. But yeah, The Lazarus Project, I just thought it's such a great concept. And I would say at least w- w- once a week, I find my mind drifting to try and come up with 
the next Groundhog Day type <laughs> concept that can then become a thing, as kind of the Matrix has become a thing. That if it's the, you know, there's a lot of stuff where it's, you know, a fake reality and so on and so forth. And, and Groundhog Day with Happy Death Day to you and all these, there's loads of little films and things like that. And Palm um, Springs is one of my films of the Palm Springs, yeah, yep. Yeah. Russian Doll. Russian Doll. All yeah, of yeah. these amazing things that are basically, it's a Groundhog Day idea. <laughs> yeah. Like, where, well, if, if we've gone from a day one? to six months, maybe you need to go the other way, Pip. Maybe you need to like <laughs> half an hour. <laughs> yeah. Each episode yeah, is 30 so minutes. Stressful. Each episode is 30 minutes. 10 it's minutes just, and it's just yeah, the same minutes. argument and you keep <laughs> fucking it up. <laughs> You're just trying to leg no, it across fuck, town no, in 10 no. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> no, let's try uh, again. <laughs> and on Lazarus, well, uh, firstly, was it the, the bastard son and the devil himself? Yeah. Best title for a show of the year, I'd say. That's what I think is interesting because... It was on Netflix for a couple of weeks. And again, I know because I knew when the script was being developed, it was originally called Half Bad. And then when it came out, it was called this. And I said exactly that, the best name of a TV show of the year. Halfway through, a couple of weeks into its release, its name changed on Netflix from The Bastard Son and the Devil Himself to Half Bad and then a subtitle of The Bastard Son and the Devil Himself. So I wonder if they felt that maybe l- low viewing figures were because of the slightly edgy... Na- it's an intense title mm. and it's meant to be a young adults type thing. So maybe parents were a bit, oh no, not sure if you're watching the Bastard programme. And not to put, not to rub salt in the wound of um, that show, but the good news is Lazarus Project does have a second series. It which does have a second a series. Relief. And I think they've just rapped on it, I think. Oh, Could amazing. Be wrong, but yeah. Um, fun fact... I don't know which role, but Joe Barton had a role for had had me in mind for a role in the Lazarus Project, but it clashed with debris. Which, again, spoiler alert, didn't not only didn't get a second series, didn't even get released in the UK. So my annoyance levels are high when I then watched the Lazarus Project. It was like, well, this is amazing, and it's clearly <laughs> going to be a long term thing. But yeah, amazing show, oh, man. Joel, what else is on your list? Yeah, so I've got another one. This is another Apple TV smasher. Look at you. Um, He's not sponsored. Uh, I'm, sure. I'm not sponsored. Uh, what I would give for, to be on the <laughs> Apple gravy train. I uh, This is Bad <laughs> Sisters. So uh, Bad Sisters, yes. Sharon Horgan wrote Stars In, is amazing, is a genius. It's about five sisters um, that live in Ireland and one of the sisters' brother-in-law dies and it's maybe somewhat suspicious. So the, an insurance firm are investigating the circumstances uh, mm. of this guy's death. And it's told through flashbacks to kind of six months-ish previous. And you learn of the sisters' different relationships with this brother-in-law and um, their various like motivations for wanting him to die. Um, <laughs> and it is fucking brilliant. It's properly dark comedy. Um, everyone in it is amazing. The guy that plays the brother-in-law is, I'm going to completely... Klaus Bang. Klaus, Klaus Bang, Bang, that's Bang, it. Yeah. Like, just plays a dickhead so well. Like, this man has played Dracula, but this is the most evil he's been in <laughs> TV. Like, he is so despicable and awful. You know, there's no... We're talking about the Anthony Starr playing um, Homelander with a bit of heart in there. There's just that, no, not at all. Like, this guy is yeah. the worst man in the world, and you, you <laughs> want him to die. The whole way through the series, you want this guy to die. <laughs> And you just are waiting and waiting and waiting. And there's so many twists. There's, um, you know, near misses. And he sort of holds something over all of the sisters. 
and they all have, like I say, various motivations for wanting to do it. Everyone's brilliant. Michael Smiley's got a cameo, well, not even a cameo, like a recurring role as kind of like a slightly nosy but lovely neighbor who gets wrapped up in it. Yeah, cast is amazing. It's such a good show. I was just demolishing episodes of this when when they came out. It's so good. It's so I love good. it. You, you, you know when like Scorsese or um, James Cameron or whoever m- m- moan about people don't watch films how they're meant to be watched, like they watch them on a phone or whatever mm-hmm. else. I'm not sure Bad Sisters was m- meant to be watched through Gogglebox, but that's how I've <laughs> I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I have loved watching it on Gogglebox. Um, I've had a few series like that though that I've I've watched for oh that looks good and then I haven't got around to watching it and then each week I've seen a bit more and then you go yeah yeah it's not really uh, worth me watching yeah. now I've kind of <laughs> yeah. you've 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 given me too much so I I fucked up there but it looks amazing I've heard nothing but good things <laughs> oh yeah I've, I've done two episodes I did two episodes last night because I I was I was trying to fill in some gaps in my knowledge and uh, yeah. yeah my main takeaway is he is so. Horrible. He's yeah, such he's a so fucking horrible. bastard. Yeah, yeah. So he does it so well. Yeah, um, he's brilliant. It's really good. And I think, like, not to jump ahead, but I'm going to give you my third one now as well because it's a theme. Like, I think it's a massive year for Irish TV and film because series three of Derry Girls is my yeah. is third on my list. I think it's the yeah. it's the best comedy that came out this year. I think the writing yeah. on it is so sharp and so good, and it's a show that kind of like serves almost as a history lesson if you have grown up with a British education. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Which it's like you will learn more about the Troubles and the Good Friday Agreement watching Derry Girls than you will if you've been to school in England. Yeah. It's really funny. I think what comedy does, like this does so well, is that it's both about something so specific and so universal at the same time. So it is very specifically about girls at a Catholic school in Derry in the 90s but it's universally about the teenage experience and everything that is, right? So you are, mm. you, your entry point is, oh yeah, I've been a teenager, everyone's been a teenager, and that's probably why internationally it's such a massive hit, but then it is very specifically about this period of time. Um, yeah. And it's so good. And, you know, Scorsese said this week, didn't he, this, like his favourite show, he's, this is the thing yeah. he's watching. So Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw a, f- a, f- a few of the it, cast excitedly it, retweeting that. Yeah, so if Scorsese's back, backing me up, I'm, pl- I'm pleased with that. Um, yeah, I think it's such a brilliant, brilliant show and I'd encourage everyone to watch it. I love it so much. Great it's show. so good. Well, well, we're kind of linking on from that. The third one that I was saying, I was saying I had three that are battling for the show of the year, I guess, and loads of honourable mentions, but Big Boys, yes, the Channel yeah, 4 yeah, show yeah, yeah. with the lad from Derry Girls in it. Yeah. And I just thought, uh, I said, it's the story of a mate of mine, J- J- Jack Rook. So I was all ready to be unbiased, I'm on side. But what they actually did with that show just blew me away. I thought the writing was so beautifully de- delicate and gentle, but hilarious and kind of unflinching at the same time. And watching Jack start the year unknown and then come out of the yeah. year being referred to as as the new Michaela Cole and being <laughs> raved about by Russell T. Davis, who, if you're writing queer drama, queer comedy, there's no one you you want praising you more than (laughs) Russell T Davis because the man's astounding at it. So, yeah, that just blew me away this year. I thought it was fantastic. It was another one that I think felt a little bit the bingeable thing. It felt like it had a couple of weeks of being talked about as the best thing that's ever happened and then everyone moved on quite Mm. quickly. I I actually, uh, to go back to what you just said a minute ago, Pip, 
I have started the show, but I saw the big dramatic, well, not dramatic, the big heartfelt moment via Gogglebox. There we go. Uh, there so we go. I, I cried along, I, you know, I cried along with a bunch of strangers on yeah. sofas across the country. Yeah, yeah. It's mad, isn't it? Well, and another one that I wanted to, to put in with that, because it's something that I watched in prep for this, because I did, I did a similar. The rest of my year is going to be just getting rid of any films I haven't watched for my Films yeah. of the Year podcast. But there was one show that I'd not heard many people talk about, but those that had all felt it was one of the best things of the year. And it's an, another Channel 4 thing, or maybe it's only on all four, actually. And it was Somewhere Boy. Are you familiar with this at all? That. Yeah, I've heard of it. I haven't I haven't seen really, it. It was a really weird one because it said, and my brother recommended it and I thought, I've not really heard of this. Um, in fact, I had someone pitched for the podcast. How much telly is your brother watching? <laughs> he's watching, he, he's really, <laughs> weirdly, he's really s- s- selective. So it's kind of, if it's if it's if it's coming up with a strong strong recommendation, but yeah, I'd had it. That's it. I'd had someone from the show pitched to me, so that's the only reason I'd really heard of it. And it's about a lad whose mum dies, and his dad has brought him up, t- telling him that the outside world is all monsters, and his mum was killed by a monster. So he's never been outside. And then in the first episode, his dad dies, and the kid has to go and l- mm. live with his aunt who he'd never met, mm-hmm. and his cousin who he'd never met. And it's really beautifully done. It's really strange and odd. The lead performance is absolutely amazing. Like, you can complete... Like, it feels like they've found an actor who has never seen the, the outside world. Yeah. And, and it's like, he's really amazing performance. But yeah, that's another one. That's I think it's six or maybe eight episodes, but 20 to 30 minutes long, if that. So, um, yeah. I really think it's a bit of a, 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 a sleeper on there. Really n- nicely done and really, uh, again, another one that's a, a really weird concept and idea, mm-hmm. but then gets really human in different pl- places. And it gets really dark as well. Like, it's not this light, fluffy, oh, it's a weird kid. It's like this kid, in ways, is understandably fucked up from all of this. So, yeah, worth a I mean, watch. That's, hopefully that's what this chat's all about, is, you know, we haven't watched everything between the three of us, but yeah. there's stuff that we, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you as a listener haven't heard. I haven't watched. Hopefully, a couple of them will sort of add to your list. And if you if you have watched something that we haven't mentioned, don't have a go at us. Just let us know. Just let us know. <laughs> Check it yeah. out. Yeah. Give us a shout. What else have you got, John? What would you like to to throw oh. in? Oh, oh. By the way, for the record, I know you said you finished White Lotus, and Joel has mm-hmm. yet to start it, and he's very excited. I'm four episodes in, and even four episodes in, I think that's probably one of the best TV shows of the year. It's just, it's amazing. The first series did that. It kind of just turned up and went, oh, this is an amazing show, by the way, and was just, yeah. And it's continued on that. I also, I've got a theory that one of the key themes of White Lotus is people having surprisingly good bodies. Because <laughs> um, the first series had the two younger instagram type girls judging the more plain wife mm-hmm. until she took off her until she got into a bikini and then they were all like, oh, wow, you're bodied up. This this one, Will Sharp, previous guest, good Lord. <laughs> I can't believe rich. I let him keep his shirt on for our, our podcast. <laughs> if I'd known, he's amazing. And there's a few other people along the way that you're like, oh, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. So yeah, it's I a surprisingly good body shot. 
Yeah, I don't think when Mike White is writing these scripts, he's thinking, how do I get more surprisingly well people in this show? (laughs) Isn't the story with White Lotus that he'd had it written for quite a long time and it hadn't been picked up and then they were looking for like something they could shoot in one sort of location during COVID and they made that first series? I feel like Mike White wrote it quite a long time ago. It's amazing. Yeah, because he wrote School of Rock, right? And he's also... Isn't the mad thing about Mike White that he's a massive reality TV fan and he's been on Survivor in America and stuff? Really? And it's, uh, uh, yeah, we're not talking yeah, like yeah, Survivor, yeah. like, we're not talking like 15 years ago. I think it was like a few years ago he was on Survivor. Yeah, oh, he, wow. when he was, but and he, not on the celebrity version of the show. Like, he's like a Survivor super fan and did the show. So, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's, I, I think, I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, Pip, I think the second series might be better than the first one. Yeah. Um, from where I'm sat. Yeah. And what I can tell you for free, Joel, is the theme tune is similar, but oh my God, it's does it go upgrade. hard this time. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, it goes yeah. hard. Yeah, I Amazing did. I'll, I'll reveal it here as there's only you guys and the listener, but I did kind of a subtweet the other day saying there's one show that I absolutely love, but I cannot fucking stand the theme no. tune. No. White Lotus. I can't. Oh, well. I can't handle it. I can't handle it. It does me in. I hate it, John. I, I think it's, but I think it's sort of like a stressful banger, and that's sort of the vibe of it to get you into the show. It's like, yeah, a little bit stressful. I've got a few here. One I'd really like to shout out. Yes, is um, Slow Horses have released two seasons this year, so that's on mm. Apple TV. I've watched the first I, season. Haven't started the second season yet, but the first same. one was amazing. Yeah, and it's sort of this indication of this conversation. The theme of this conversation overall is like. Gary Oldman is in a TV show yeah, and it's yeah, not yeah. the biggest thing in the world. Like, yeah, that's yeah. where we're at with TV now. There's another yeah. show that I started. Uh, hopefully, no one else is going to bring this up. The Old Man, which is Jeff Bridges is in a thriller on yeah. Disney+. Plus. And no, yeah. not, no one's talking about it, but it's it's just the caliber of like performers and directors and you know writers working in telly. It's just unbelievable. I've not watched it. I saw it. I saw a poster for it. I saw it was called The Old Man. I sent it to Stuart Whiffin <laughs> saying congratulations on the new series. <laughs> and that's as far as I went. I moved on with my life. If if Jeff Bridges is playing me, I will be over <laughs> the it, moon. Yeah. Take it. Um, but yeah, Slow Horses. Uh, again, sort of really funny, but it is also like an incredibly well plotted out sort of... Um, yeah, it's a spy drama, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's the... It's the people who can't get into MI5 or supposedly the, Renford, the people who... The, the, yeah, the Renford rejects of MI5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I loved it. I watched the first season and they filmed both seasons together. Like like they ran into each other. I had Jack Loudon on the podcast and I didn't know that. So I'd watched it. I was like, it's amazing. Do you know, have you heard if there's going to be a season two? It's like, we've filmed season two, mate. So <laughs> yeah, there is. <laughs> I, I think they're filming season three and I think four's been commissioned. They are Apple are really committed oh, wow. to this show. And it's yeah. based on a series of books as well, which obviously helps that there's helps. ample source material mm. for them to yeah. pull from. It's not like they have to sort of come up with a new spy, spy thriller every time. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I want to quickly mention, I wanted to throw in a few things that, because these weren't on my list. Again, I, I did what the bloody awards people do. I did a big list mainly of dramas mm-hmm. and there's three things that I think every year are absolutely astounding and those three things are Taskmaster, yep. l- last week t- tonight with J- John Oliver and Frankie Boyle's New World Order. I think all three of them just 
come along and do their job year after year. And this astounded. this series of Taskmasters an all timer for me. I thought it's it was so amazing. Brilliant. I thought right? it was so brilliant. This year yeah. was so brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely agree. I wasn't sure how John Kearns would be because I I saw him at the the fringe j- j- just before this, and he spoke about on that how he's not going to have the teeth and the glasses and the wig, and it's like I I sat myself because again he's one of the best comedians in this on the circuit. Yeah, I sat there thinking, well. If he's not got the wig, the teeth, and the glasses, yes, yes. is it going to work? Yeah. <laughs> what is it? And then the first episode, because he is quite sheepish, I was like, yeah, yeah. don't know if this is going to work. And by the end, it's like the best Taskmaster yeah. contestant ever. Absolutely perfect. I love the way that they sort of, they get these household names. So you've got your Dara Brian, you know, Tick, and then they sort of smuggle in these, these sort of sweethearts of the comedy scene that everyone who watches live stand-up or goes to Edinburgh knows are amazing. And then put them on this show, and then everyone in the country gets to fall in love with them, like you know Mike Wozniak and Fern Brady and stuff. Yeah, I love it. Well, there's, there's. Hang on, I need to just do. I need to turn my Wi-Fi back on because I'm going to throw in a couple more shows here, but they're subtitled shows, and I've just realised I don't know which countries they're from, despite watching um, <laughs> many, many series. Um, so one is is it Swedish? It is it's Swedish? A show called Snabbercash on Netflix. Really, really good. It had season two come out this a few weeks back. And this six-part series, and this is going to sound like a weird thing to shout out, but they're really good at casting. Nice. <laughs> if, if, if every character in it, I've, I've looked into it more, and a lot of them, it's a bit of a Shea Meadows type thing. A lot of them weren't actors previously mm. and things like that. And it's... It's the Swedish version of The Wire, essentially. It's it's all about okay. crime and drugs, but it feels so real and, yeah, it's astounding. And then the other one, which is on Apple TV in the UK, apparently, is Blocko 181, and that's an Italian show that's a similar thing. Um, it's about... Oh, where have they come over from? It's about a certain... Um, Oh, the Wikipedia's in Italian. Of course it is. Um, <laughs> anyway, it's it's another one that's just got two or three actors in it who I've never s- s- seen in anything. You look up their stuff and they've not done much before and they're just astounding. And I think the beauty of these streaming services l- like Apple, like n- n- Netflix, is that they're global. And it means that we get I mean, the easy examples are your Squid Games and mm-hmm. your Money Heist mm-hmm. and all these things. We get these astounding shows from writers that aren't just American and English and actors that aren't just American and English. And I think, yeah, there's some really exciting stuff. I also wonder, every year, there's at least a couple of foreign language TV shows in my TV shows of the year. Now, I don't know if that's because they're the best or because... Because they have subtitles, I have to give the man divided yeah, attention. Yeah. I was like that 100%. with um, and Dark, all, which was an amazing yeah, Netflix series. Almost everything else, even if I'm lo- I'm loving it, I'm glancing at my phone every now yeah, and then, yeah. or I'm looking around, or getting distracted, or my mind's wandering. But Babylon, Berlin, Snabbercash, and Blocko One Eight One, all just hundred percent attention. <laughs> and yeah, I think it's because they're really good. But l- listeners can correct me on that <laughs> if I'm. Um, if I'm mistaken, but yeah, well, I think there's got to be an assumption. There's got to be an assumption that if there's if they're sort of getting them into another country, we're getting the creme de la creme. We're not getting the sort of standard fare. You'd mm. think, yeah, 
you'd think. Well, I mean, I'm just I'm I'm going to just ra- r- 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 rattle through a few now and not give any real ch- chat on. But John mentioned the Devil's Hour earlier. I thought that's fantastic. Vigil, I also oh, thought yeah. was fantastic. I really enjoyed Sandman. Only Murders in the Building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, welcome to to, uh, to Wrexham. We've not yeah. had any kind of r- r- reality documentary type things, but I thought that was the most watchable thing in the world. So. And Pistol, I really enjoyed. That was also on Disney, wasn't it? The Sex Pistols um, TV show that got a bit of, of criticism because they felt it was played a little bit theatrically. And it's like, have you seen the Sex Pistols? <laughs> <laughs> They're the most theatrical cunts in the history of of, 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 of of music. Of course it's theatrical and over the top. But yeah, there's been some good, good st- st- yeah. stuff this year, guys. And I appreciate Loads. you coming on and chatting about it. Well, thanks for having us. Thank you so I've, much for having us, Pete. Yeah, I've come. I'm coming away armed with a list of things to watch in that Christmas to New Year period. So that's me now. Uh, as exciting, a as a as a parent of an 18 month old, I also need to shout out Dougie, Peppa Pig, and Bluey because um, I've that's I've spent most of my time this year watching those shows. They're the big watches. Yeah. So check those they're out, shit. guys. Thanks I mean, for doing I should that, John, also I have mention, forgotten to, but they they just missed. My <laughs> they list. just missed your three. Yeah. I should also mention that a lot my TV despite this amazing list, it's probably the, 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 down this year because this year's the year I've got into Twitch and there's so much amazing mm-hmm. creative stuff on there. And just to nerd out to you two guys, there's a thing going on in the Twitch community I kind of watch a lot of where people have built a role-play server of, of Grand Theft Auto, right? It's called Quiet City. So everyone in there is role-playing as characters, Wow. And honestly, it's some of the best drama and comedy I've seen all year. And it blows my mind. They keep asking me to join. I don't think I'm good enough. Like I watch and I'm like, how are they doing this? <laughs> Give me a minor role. Give me a minor, minor role. <laughs> they'll, they'll do four or five hours improvising these stories that just go in all sorts of random directions. And it'll be when they release like the VOD at the end, it'll be like, it's like this was written by Mike yeah, White. Yeah. This is like, it's so, it's so, yeah. It's amazing. I am so sort of similar. Shout to, out I watched Twitch. IGN made a really great documentary about people that are still playing Fallout seventy six. You know that yes. quite failed online. It's about twenty minutes long. It's amazing, and about five or ten minutes of the documentary are dedicated to people that have set up a theatre company in Fallout seventy six, and they it? they perform Shakespeare, and it it runs through the rigmarole of performing Shakespeare in a nuclear wasteland. You know they have to employ security and stuff, and it's incredible. Like these commu- and they had a real problem with people kind of setting up illegal trades. And so people mm-hmm. have inserted themselves as couriers into Fallout 76 and they're acting like just the world, a similar thing, I guess, the world they've built in this game that should yeah. be long dead. It's just, it, I, I loved it. It's fascinating. I love um, the kind yeah. of n- niche areas of creativity that these things can build. And it's weird because with this this quiet city stuff, like there was a point where to keep up on it, I was having to watch probably four or five hours a day <laughs> so it was one of them it was one of them that I could only really be into it for a week or two because it's yeah, like, yeah. like after that I need to, to check out and the good thing is m- 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 most of them will cycle characters so they'll do one character storyline for a couple of weeks and then another character storyline for a few weeks so the particular streamers I, f- I follow in particular a guy called Barma a girl called New Lisa Life um, a guy called Br- formerly Brat Damon, now just Brat, but all of these characters, I'd be hoping that at some point soon they switch character so I can have a reason to stop following the storyline because it's so, yeah, 
so insanely engaging. We start we started this episode talking about soap operas and you've basically ended the episode talking about the most modern version of a soap opera you could imagine a live soap opera playing out well there we go thank you very much guys and to round things up where can listeners hear and submit to um, Dream Factory well whatever device you're listening to this on you will also be able to hear Dream Factory on so just search for it and submit uh, at Dream, Dream Factory Pod on socials at dreamfactorypod at gmail.com. However, I've been the subject of one of the biggest spam attacks of all time. So I get about 45 emails a day that are just claims that I've, you know, I, I owe some people money. So uh, you could do that. You could tell me I owe you money or you could send us a film idea. Yeah. Either or. And is there, is there anything else either of you would like to plug or mention? That's it. That's um, all we've got in our lives. Just sort of send your loved ones a, a nice message. I send like them a it. film idea. Send send your loved ones a film idea and tell them they owe you money. <laughs> guys, it's been a pleasure listening to you guys all year and then catching up on some TV and stuff. I'm I'm I've got a few things to dig into now, so I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Oh, thanks for having no us. Worries. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go, buddy, peace. Oh, no, let's have an outro. In fact, make that the outro. There you go, buddy, peace, and everyone else. People who are listening now, I was about to say, I normally give a little sign-off message that's only for buddy, peace, the producer, the best producer of podcasts in the world to hear. But I just started to do it, and I hadn't recorded an outro yet. So here's the outro. Did you enjoy that? Tell us about the TV shows that you've enjoyed. We didn't get through everything that we loved, but we'd always like to hear more. Um, and go and listen to Dream Factory. As said, I was on their Christmas episode. If that's enough to lure you in, you'll then be addicted because they're amazing. They're great guys and great podcasters. Yeah, have a bloody lovely New Year's Eve, guys. Um, I'll see you all in the new year. As a lot of you know, on New Year's Day, I get up and I go for a walk and I record my Films of the Year podcast. I'll be doing that this year. I look forward to you all joining me on that walk in a way, you know, you know, in a way, in a way where you're joining me, but I'm not being joined by you, you know, in that kind of way. Um, Thank you again for a lovely year. You've all been amazing and your support is genuinely always appreciated. Um, I'll see you next year. Until then, stay safe and stay sane. Ta-ta.